Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Black Talk Radio. This is your co-host, Leona P. Ross. Mr. Talk won't be here today. Sorry we're so late. We've been having some time issues today. Just trying to get things up and running. Again, welcome to Black Talk Radio. Let's talk with Mr. Talk. I am your host, P. Ross. All right. Today we'll be talking about uh um, you know what's 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 going on? You know, with with, with the black community and, and and cops. You know, a man took his took his neighbor home and and got arrested. As the neighbor was inebriated, he just wanted to wanted to get home safe, and he got arrested for trying to get the man home safe. Imagine that. So those are some of the things that we'll be talking about today. We welcome you to call in. Our call in number is three four seven eight three eight eight six two two. Again, that number is three four seven eight three eight eight six two two. You can also hit us up in our chat room at www.blogtalkradio.com. Miss slash Mister Talk. Okay. So let me see if I can get uh, a song for you. Ah, man, I'll tell you, it's been a day, y'all. It's been a day. It's been a day. But while we're doing that, while I'm figuring that out, let me tell you about our black history person for today. And that person is Jack Leroy Cooper. He was the first African-American radio disc jockey. Um, He was described as the undisputed patriarch of black radio in the United States. Um, He was born in Memphis, Tennessee. He was one of ten children to William and Lavinia Cooper. He left his home at the age of ten to work in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hey, how about the shout-out to Cincinnati? And in his teens, he was a successful boxer and semi-professional baseball player. By 1905, he was working in vaudeville on the Theater Owners Booking Association circuit as a singer and dancer. He started writing and producing sketches and stage shows. 
soon running his own touring troupe with his first wife. He managed at least two theaters for that organization, and he began writing for a newspaper show in Memphis and in Indianapolis. After moving to Chicago around 1920, he began writing theater reviews for the Chicago Defender, um, for the Chicago Defender while attempting to break into the new radio industry as a performer. While working for the Defender in Washington, D.C., he first appeared in radio writing and performing comic sketches on station WCAP. He returned to Chicago in 1926 and developed a proposal for a new show, The All Negro Hour, which was unheard of at this time. That show premiered on WSBC on November 3, 1929. The show was initially broadcast on a weekly basis and contained live music and comedy sketches, but Cooper gradually modified and expanded the content. Soon it became successful successful with both listeners and commercial sponsors and continued until 1936. By the mid-1930s, Cooper presented nine and a half hours each week on WCAP. He was one of the first, if not the first, to broadcast gramophone records, including gospel music and jazz, using his own phonograph. In 1938, he created a new show, Search for Missing Persons, designed to reunite listeners with family members who they had lost contact with. See, so if Search of wasn't the first one or 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 Adam um, Missing Lost Children wasn't the first show that was done. He was actually doing this back in 1938 on the radio. See, so all of these other shows that was looking for missing persons actually came after him. So imagine that. By 1947, his production company, Jack L. Cooper Presentations, controlled about 40 hours per week of four different stations in Chicago. He promoted African Americans as presenters and was among the first to broadcast commentaries on Negro League baseball games and news targeted at the black community. He also actively supported African-American youth organizations, including the Southside Boys Club, in contrast with later DJs like Al Benson. Cooper scrupulously avoided using slang expressions or broadcasting vaudeville or urban blues recordings. In other words, he avoided using the stereotypical black expose of vaudeville and the slang expressions back there, like we tend to use these days. So he wanted a change, you know. Um, his announcing privileged standard American English over the black vernacular, a preference he shared with the most affluent and educated African Americans. In effect, Cooper and his team became the voice of the urban black bourgeois as a symbol of racial uplift. Hey, there's nothing about improving yourself, hey. So he wanted to present that, like, hey, we we educated. We we can talk proper English, too. We speak proper English. <laughs> How about that? Way back in the 1930s, y'all. Cooper retired from broadcasting in 59. He died in Chicago in 70 at the age, uh, in 1970 at the age of 81. In 1975, a park in the West Pullman neighborhood was officially named Cooper Park in his honor. Now, that is Mr. Jack Roy Cooper, the first African-American DJ, and you heard it here, all right? So now, let me see. Let's play a little Roger and Zap, okay? And then we'll be right back with you in about four minutes.
common protocol? Hey, can a law enforcement officer call in and answer that question for me? You know, is is that you know when 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 you're arresting while black, make sure you get three or four other officers to assist you, just in case. I'm just saying, I don't know. You know, this is this is this is a question. This is just a question. I'm just putting it out there. You know, an, an inquiring mind would like to know. Inquiring minds would like to know. You know. Caller one one one, I see you out there. Thanks for joining us. See? So this man's trying to be a good Samaritan and finds out that, hey, I'm being arrested. Because I was just trying to help this person in. I apologize. I apologize. I just was trying to be a good Samaritan. I got arrested. It didn't work out for me. No, and now you're saying that I had weed, but where's the weed coming from? Where is the weed coming from? I didn't have any weed. You say you smelled weed, but, hey, how you going to smell unopened weed? And with all this, another thing, another thing, y'all, with all this legalized marijuana, why are people still being arrested for carrying weed? We got medical marijuana. We got all of this stuff. Why are people still being arrested for what is now legal, supposed to be legal? You know, like I said, inquiring mind, we we just want to know. We just want to know. This is just another reason to imprison somebody, take somebody to jail. Do you have a quota to meet at the end of the day? What's really going on? That's all I'm saying. What is really going on with that? Now, either it's going to be legal or it's not. can't have it both ways. If it's legal for the people that's sick, why can't it be legal for the people that's recreational? Just like cigarettes. They, hey, if it's killing them, they realize that. They realize that. So, why not? Why not? And, and just stop all this foolishness, this unnecessary, you know, Linking to 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 arresting people, you know. But anyway, that's enough about Mr. Amir. Hopefully, his court date um, goes well, and it works out in his favor, so that he ain't got to do no jail time. Hopefully, he's already out. Anyway, let's move on to the security guard. Caller 111, I got you. I see you. We're coming. We wanted to talk about this last week, but we didn't get a, get an opportunity to. Um, the Jamel Robinson case where he was a security guard and the Midlothian police, Shot and killed the man after he stopped the shooter. He literally had him down, you know, and they walk up and shoot him. Um, They want to say that, you know, the police chief, the police chief issued a public apology saying it is just sad, but that is not bringing the man's life back. He's a security guard. He was doing his job. He was doing his job. Now, of course, they placed the, the officer that was that was on 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 who shot him. They placed him on administrative leave, which is what they usually do, you know. But come on now, every time you see a black man with a gun, that means you kill him. Even when he's got a big shirt that says security or staff or whatever it says, and you're still going to shoot him, you're not going to ask any questions. He wasn't recaying. You was the thing that he was running away. What are your thoughts on this? Welcome, caller one one one. Hello, are you there? All right. 
All right, all right, all right. So, Mr. Jamil, we're still look they're still looking into that. They had a protest. You know, and even though the police chief, Daniel Delaney, you know, said that he, he it was a tragic incident and offered heartfelt condolences, he stopped short of an of an apology. He never apologized. He never apologized for the shooting. He never been blamed for his officers. He just said it was a it was a it was a tragic incident. And you have our heartfelt, sincere condolences. He also went on to say that they were still trying to figure out what happened and trying to sort sort out the conflicting reports about the man who was killed. But everybody was saying that it doesn't agree with what the cops were saying. So what the people are saying who were at the bar and what the cops are saying is not necessarily jiving together. So of course the people protesting and they want answers. They want they say we want justice because you know there's no accountability for the police department. How many of us have heard that throughout this 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 entire time? And of course there's always going to be a race issue because the officer who shot him was white. And Jamel Robinson was, again, once again, an African-American. So what's really going on? What's really going on? Something for you to think about, huh? How long are we going to be able to push this under the rug? How long is, is it? How long... Is it just going to be business as usual, or as we say? How long is it going to be the same old game? It's the same old game. Things done in the same old way. You know, are we are we going to expect a, a a payoff later on, and everything gets swept under the rug? I hope not. I hope they pursue it until the end. I hope they pursue it and and get real answers and make this police department once and for all. Stand up and take some responsibility. See? And as we're talking about taking responsibility, you know, there was a police chief, and and this is really funny because he only got three years for framing black men. Do you think that's fair? Innocent people. Why did he do it? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what motivates these people or these persons to think the way that they think. And it was right here in the state of Florida. Imagine that. And, of course, they got a picture of him, you know, standing there all smiling like he all happy. Why? I would not be smiling if I know I just lied on folks, you know, framed them. But I guess he can smile since he only got three years, which he was only facing a maximum 10-year sentence. Because he got him for conspiracy to frame black men for crimes, black men now, for crimes that they did not commit. They did not commit. Do you think that, that Mr. Ahmed Shamir, do you think that was really his weed or, or, or did they just put that on him? Since they say they smelt weed and, and, and he said he hadn't smoked weed. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying, I don't know. Let's throw the theory out there. Since we're talking about this, this police chief. There was a chief. Three other former officers have also pleaded guilty in the case, which centered around efforts by Articinio to improve his department's crime-solving rate. So I guess that's a new police chief, and he, 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 you know, 
you know, this, he was the police chief, so he wanted to improve the crime rate. So rather than going after and getting real criminals, he framed some to, to make the, 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 the quota look good. That crime was decreasing. But the real criminals were still out there because these men didn't do it. And his lawyer says that, oh, these victims, they weren't randomly selected, but, you know, they already had criminal pacts. So just because they had a criminal past, it, it made it easier for you to frame them and convict them. Even though it was just, you know, the the arrested, you know, the things that they were falsely arrested for were included burglaries and vehicle break-ins. Now, the two other officers were sentenced to a year each in prison, while the third just got over two years behind bars. But the chief, Artisanio, he got three years behind bars of a 10-year sentence. Slap on the wrist. I wonder if 45 is looking into this and going to give them a, and give them a party, like he did Arteo, you know, for profiling Latin American citizens. You know, it always seems okay for people of color, you know, to be falsely accused in an unjust country and everybody else. The perpetrators seem to always get a slap on the wrist and say, it's all right. You really didn't do anything wrong. Why is that the perception in this 2018? Why does everybody think that's okay? Well, for the most part, they think it's okay. And it got to be. It got to be that they think it's okay. Three years out of a 10-year sentence, but when the roles are reversed, you get the maximum. Why is that? Why is it that color matters so much when it comes to the injustice system in this country. They always want to say justice is colorblind. That's a lie. We all know that. When you look at the ratio of of of, of people of color in every American prison versus the ratio to our Caucasian counterpart. And although there are other Caucasians who are in prison, in jail, who who don't belong there, they are innocent too. But, but the overwhelming majority of those that are imprisoned falsely, that are in prison and are not guilty, is overwhelmingly men and women. While the same crimes committed by their counterparts, they get a, a slap on the wrist. Look at Bill and, and Weinstein. Charges drop. Hmm. Bill, 81 years old, blind, in jail. Say, Bill, you should have listened to the song. It wasn't me. Can't say everything. But, you know. Just putting it out there because we want to know. We really want to know. We really want to know. And why in this time is this still going on? A lot of people want to say, well, it's the climate, it's the narrative that's been, that is being perpetrated now, you know, so. Everybody is on, okay, let's get them. This is our time. We're going to make our country great again. How? How? Is it great? Is it greater than it was a year ago? Is it greater than it was 10 years ago? And who are you so-called making it great for? 
We got this tirade going on about the immigrants and the immigrant invasion and all of that. Really? Is it really an invasion or is it just a word that's being put out there to get a certain response from certain people? Because, you know, we can pump you up. We can get you all riled up to believe what we want you to believe because, you know, you don't you don't study for yourselves. You don't research for yourselves. You just go by what you hear on the on the on the fool of vision. What you read on the internet, what the media puts out there to direct you in the direction and make you emotionally distraught over lies and untruth. Because you never take the time to really look and see, hey, hey, is this this really an invasion or is this just people trying to get a better life? Is this just a lot of folks coming to the border trying to cross over? Which a lot of them have turned around and went back home if you read about it. Speaking about misnomers, let's talk about General Motors and their employee buyout. That's right. The U.S. automaker General Motors announced that it plans to cut 15% of its salaried workforce. Now, Originally, they wanted the people to take a buyout. See? They wanted at least 17,000 employees, those with 12 years or more, to opt for a buyout. And it was only going to be temporarily intact. It wasn't going to be a long-term thing that they were going to do. They at least wanted to secure 8,000 voluntary buyouts. But at the end of the November deadline, only 2,250 workers agreed to the deal. And they're only going to, and they're, they're, they can leave as early as Saturday, and they'll still be paid and covered under the company's benefits for only six months. Now, the more senior executives, they'll be permitted to accept the buyout through the end of February while payments continue over a year. So the executives will have payments if they accept the buyout for an entire year while the salary people only get payments for six months. Does that sound right? Really? The hourly workers, they only get six months. Senior executives and others, they get a year. Now, they expect to lay off 5,570 salary staff members in addition to another 6,000 hourly workers. Now, they tried to speak with GM, but they, 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 they refused to confirm or deny the report. However, they did say that that you know it's because of, 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 of the tariff wars with Trump. That's why they're doing it because the only ones that are affected are the plants here in the United States and in Canada, which Canada, of course, has threatened to sue them. But the plant in Mexico, well, none of those, those workers are good. Those workers are safe. Nothing is going to happen to them. So I guess the, the, the tariffs of, of making the cars in, in, in the U.S. Is, is what is causing them to say, hey, we can't afford this here in the U.S. You know, we're going to close down these 14 shops. This is what we're going to do. Regardless of what you say, regardless of how you feel, because hey, we're not making, we're not, we're not hitting the mark that we need to hit. And they're going to start as early as mid-January for the involuntary releases. In other words, if you don't take the buyout by then, you know, then you know we're just going to start firing you. And 
and what they're planning on doing with the money that they're going to save from firing all these employees is is put it on electric powertrains and autonomous driving technology. See, because there's a large scale, you know, they predict a large scale investment into these technologies. See, and if they and if they do it with all of these employees. Is going to handicap their their profits in the future, regardless of whether they expect to go fully electric or not. You know, um, they're going to lay off those people so they can put this money towards that technology now. Because right now, the numbers are not saying that we're going to make the proposed amount that we need to make. So now we're gonna we're just going to lay you off. At the end of the day, it's still all about the bottom line. So get you people. Y'all will be all right. Is that the consensus General Motors is telling the people? Listen, we offered you a buyout. We offered you a buyout. So you wouldn't take it. So now in January we're gonna we're gonna start you know, we're going to start laying you off. Now, this is the same place. These are the same jobs, if you remember when, back in 2016, I believe it was, that 45 said that those jobs are coming back. He said they were coming back. But now General Motors saying it's going to lay off 14,000 employees and close five plants in the United States and Canada. One of the places 45 was talking was in Ohio. Now, here it is. It's saying GM is going to stop production at the Lordstown, Ohio, and in Michigan, assembly plants, which is also going to affect the Baltimore and Brownstown um, location and the Warren Transmission Plant because they want to accelerate their transformation to the future. So they don't have need of these people anymore because now they're going to go for automated cars, and these are the things. And listen, they're saying we laid this strategy out out in 2015 to strengthen the core of business and capitalize on the future of personal mobility and drive significantly cost efficiency. They're saying that they're taking proactive steps to improve overall business performance. So that's what this reorganization, as they always call it, this is what it's all about. And what are they saying? Because there was a decrease in popularity of the of the sedan in favor of SUV, SUVs among consumers. And they say that they lost $1 billion because of tariffs Trump implemented on foreign goods. I'm not making this stuff up. This is what they said. So is this for real or are they just blowing smoke? Or is it just the same old game? Now, this is after the auto buyout. This is after the buyout, people. Now, the president says that he's, they're going to have to return that money. Do you think so? Do you really think so? Do you think they're really going to return that money? Let's be real. They're already talking about we don't have the money to even pay our employees. So you think that the buyout money is going to go back to the government? Huh? Really? Really? Of course not. They're not, they not even going to play their employees past six months. What are 14,000 people going to do without a job after six months? But nobody thinks about that. Nobody's thinking about that. One of their concerns is not important. Now, Trump himself says, oh, well, you can't blame me. 
but you started this trade war. <laughs> See, it's the same old game. You, you throw the rock and you hide your head. Hey, I ain't got nothing to do with this. You know, they took the money. They should have made better decisions. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what his thinking is. But, again, at the end of the day, hey, this ain't my fault. I ain't got nothing to do with this. What are your thoughts? Is it really a result of the tariffs? How many companies are affected by the tariffs? I know here locally there are some companies who couldn't get things such as rubber mats anymore because of the of the tariffs implemented. They can't get them. So they had to go with another supplier. And guess what? Their company, their their customers were not happy. They were not happy because they were not of the quality that they were used to getting and purchasing. So those rubber mats are not selling. They're still sitting at their stores. Is it really the tariffs? Does it? Does it really impact or is it really impacting businesses? Look around your community. Talk to some of the manufacturers in the stores around there, distribution centers. What is it that, that what products have changed because they can no longer obtain the necessary supplies or the necessary goods that they need to make the product in order to sell to the consumer because of the tariffs and the cost of making the item is exponentially increased. And if they don't raise their prices, they're not going to make a profit. And when they raise their prices, guess what? The consumers are not buying them because they're not the same quality or, hey, it's not worth it. We'll get it offline. So who are the tariffs really hurting? Who are they really hurting? When we look at it overall, But 45 says it wasn't him. He didn't do it. He ain't got nothing to do with it. Not his fault. Not my fault. And, of course, this clean-up woman, Kelly Conway, is is always going to agree. Not his fault. Had nothing to do with it. Talk about the clean-up person. Michael Cohen finally admit that he lied to Congress. And now they're saying that, that, that his confession and his plea agreement, Michael Cohen's plea agreement, implicates Donald Jr. Imagine that. When he was inter- interviewed by the Senate Judiciary Committee. He said he didn't know anything about it. He said he was only peripherally aware of the negotiation. Peripherally, meaning he was just, you know, off a side glance. You know, he really wasn't privy to everything that, that Cohen talked about or that he reached out to the Kremlin, you know, seeking Vladimir Putin's help to implicate Hillary. But Cohen's plea agreement says more than that. He said he didn't brief any of the Trump family, anybody on the Moscow deal. That he kept everything to himself. But in his plea deal, he said, yeah, I did talk to them about it. And that, you know, Junior was included on the emails about the project. I kept him up to date. He said I lied about it to give a false impression that the Moscow project ended before the Iowa caucus and the very first primary in hopes of living, of limiting the ongoing Russian investigation. But, you know, I lied. Most of everything I said was, was not true. 
So during his campaign, Trump's campaign, I actually did talk to those people, and they were aware of it. And not and not not only not only that, but assistance was provided to the campaign not only from from the Russians but also from a group of Middle East, including Israeli, Saudi Arabia, and United Arab Emirates nationals. They also offered social media manipulation services. At another meeting, here he is. Spilling the beans about everything and why now? Why now? That's the question. What's the motive? You stood up for Trump all this time. Why didn't you go ahead? Why didn't you go ahead with the lie? What convinced you to finally belay the truth or part of the truth? Because we won't ever know really what the truth is except for those folks that were in the room. So now that all of this is out, efforts are being made, you know, to to work toward a meeting, you know, um, that 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 involves the National Rights Association and campaign staffer George Papadopoulos. It's putting him in a in, in a significantly different light. Saying Trump had a financial incentive in the form of Putin's support for a big real estate deal in Moscow to pursue such a meeting. Even the email from Goldstein that was sent up about the meeting, that they were willing to offer dirt as part of being a part of the other Russian support for Trump. And Junior says that his father, he didn't know that his father might gain a huge real estate development by siding up to the Russians. He said he didn't know that. Didn't know that. Didn't know anything about that. I didn't know a deal was cooking. What are you talking about? But Sater said that the Moscow Project was always connected to the presidential election. So in other words, lies and mistruths is the same old game. One hand washes the other. One hand washes the other. You look out for me, I'm going to look out for you. That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. Are we not surprised? There's nothing hidden. There's nothing new. There's nothing new about this. It's the way the game is playing, and when and once and and once we get in a place where we stop believing everything the media says, everything that's put forth on the television, that's sent forth on Facebook and everything, and all those who we follow, when we stop taking things at face value and doing the research, now I know Trump followers. Okay, he can do no wrong, and and that's all well and good. That's all well and good because we. Have the presidential, you know, presidents and presidential followers who believe that their devout, you know, or their devout president or whichever candidate, you know, they just love to death and can't do no wrong. But let's wake up, people, to what is really going on. People are now admitting that, hey, this is what's happening. This is what really happened. This is what really went on. And, of course, they're going to deny it because they can't implicate their own selves. They're going to say it's a vendetta or he's just mad because he didn't get this or I didn't do this for him or whatever, whatever quid pro quo that he thought he was going to get or that he thought he deserved and didn't get. See, but now at this time, when the truth is coming out, everybody got to run for cover. Everybody get their, got to get their cover stories together in order to make themselves look good. 
that we might not be implicated. Let's, you know, let's, let's do something to cover up, clean it up. Let's do something to clean it up. Because now the chips are going to fall. Yeah, the chips are going to fall. But at the end of the day, who are you supporting? Who are you believing? Where does the morals and values for your own self, for your own beliefs, whether from the stories of injustice for the black men, a man, you know, as we said at the beginning of the show, he was taking his neighbor home, get arrested. But we, we don't know if it was his or if the cops planted him. Security guard gets shot. Another man in, in Alabama who wasn't even involved in the shooting shot and killed looking for answers. How long will this just be okay? A nation being lied to by his leaders by those who are supposed to have the authority over us or over the people. So having the government by the people for the people, to the government that don't care nothing about the people because we're going to do what we want to do and we're going to press forward our agenda. And you know what? We're going to convince you to like it and that you're going to go along with it. Because we're going to use keywords that's going to prick your emotions and get you all riled up and get you moving in the direction that we need you to move in. And when we can't do that, then we're going to instill a fear factor in you that's going to make you afraid to even come out your front door. See? You're going to have to teach your kids, you know, your little black kids, how, how to be cop evasive, things you should and shouldn't do when you see the men in blue, the men or women in blue, because you're driving while black or you're walking while black or you're running while black, just so you can make it home safe. This is where we are, people. This is where we are. And when we say these things, you know, we want to be labeled. They want to label us as extremists, you know, or we're conspiracy theorists. What happened to just telling the truth? What happened to just saying what is true? What happened to to just saying, and, 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 and we, someone brought up a comment last, and we wanted to address this about um, about immigrants who come in or, and are on the welfare rolls and taking our benefits and all of that. Well, we did the research, and that's not necessarily the truth because they don't even qualify, legal or illegal, being in this country. They don't qualify for benefits until at least up to five years. Five years. Imagine that. But the statement was made that they're coming in and and they're taking our jobs and they're taking our benefits and they're taking this and they don't even qualify federally. They can't get SNAP benefits. They can't get cash assistance. It's not for them. They don't have the necessary documentation when they get here to get it. So there's a certain amount of time that they got to wait even to qualify, and then they still yet may be denied, even with a green card or, or a work visa. They are not qualified. They do not qualify. It's inaccessible to undocumented immigrants and people in the United States on temporary visas. That's what it said off the federal website. 
That's what it said. They don't get it. When we're talking about what we're giving the immigrants and what they're taking away from us, they're not taking anything away from us. They're not taking any more than we already don't have. So let's stop what we need to do. It's not pointing the finger at everybody else and saying what this group is doing and what that group is doing and what this group don't have, and they're taking this from us. And look at the ones in who have the power, those in power. Those immigrants trying to cross that border have no power. The people of color here have no power to instill or change laws. to make unfair judicial decisions when it comes to people of color and other people. People who are in poverty, who, who, who can't afford decent legal counsel. So end up behind the eight ball whether they're guilty or not, only because they're poor. Only because most of the time their public defender isn't going to even look at the facts of the case is going to say, well, well, what do you want to what do you want to plead? Well, if you if you plead not guilty, then there's a possibility that you're going to face X number of years in in jail. Why don't you cop a plea? I can set up a plea deal for you. Never really realizing, did you really do it? Are you really innocent? Did you do it? Just working at just another number. Just another number. Because you don't have the viable access paying good legal counsel. Somebody who's going to listen to you and understand that, hey, I didn't do this. Hey, it wasn't me. Evidence suppressed that never comes up till years later. Why spend 30, 40 years in jail on evidence and your DNA never matched in the first place? Or a witness come and recants their testimony because this is what they told me to say at the time. I wasn't even there. It's happened. It's happened. It's the same old game. It's the same old Jim Crow game that happened way back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Nothing's really changed. And the question is, well, what do we do? I don't know. We can't seem to unify to 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 to, to even press, you know, to make an impression that we want things to change. Our elected officials, they go in and they say, oh, well, I'm going to do this for these people and I'm going to do this for you, and they get the Capitol Hill and succumb to the pressure of those that are already there. Yeah, they go with good intentions. Yeah, they go with great ideas. They go with an agenda for change. But at the end of the day, they still succumb to the powers that be. So when does it all end? How do you implement change when it's the same old game, the same old ways, with the same old rule, with the same old crew in power? That's the question. That's what I want to know. What do you do? When you have the illusion that your vote really counts. But no matter who's in office, nothing changes. You ever think about that? And this whole fiasco with the last primaries of of all these close votes and everything. Now we got to recount. Ballots weren't mailed out. Absentee ballots. People people requested them and they didn't get mailed out or they didn't receive them until the day of or the day before the election. How do you fix that? 
how do you fix a corrupt system that nobody wants wants it to be? Nobody in power really wants it to be fixed because there's an agenda that they have got to press forward on. And nothing and no one is going to get in the way of that agenda, of them accomplishing that. Believe what you want to believe. It doesn't matter. That's the truth of matter. Look at it. Do the research. Look at it for yourself. Go back 30, 40 years. See what actually has changed. You know, I'm just saying. Is it a conspiracy theory? Is it true? Mixed in with fact? Tell you what, watch the movies. Watch the Manchurian Candidate. Watch Enemy of the State. Any of those movies. And see. Compare then to now. What has really happened? What has really changed? So we're at the end of our time today, not going over. As I said, this is co-host P. Ross. I hope you have enjoyed listening in today. You can always send your comments to Eric at Let's Talk, Eric Let's Talk at gmail.com or to me at p.leona.ross at ross24 at gmail.com. For any comments, we're going to go ahead and get on up out of here. Thank you for listening, and we will be back here on Monday. On Monday. And we're going to take you out of here. Ah, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. I don't know. I don't know. What do y'all want to hear? What do y'all want to hear? I don't know what I feel like. What I feel like. What do I feel like? Well. Well, well, well. Anyway, we'll see y'all on Monday. Thank you for listening. This is P. Ross signing off from Let's Talk, Blog Talk Radio. Going out again with Roger and Zap. Do what daily, baby. Enjoy your weekend. Love you all. Thanks for listening.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.